Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host in Chicago, Matt Fortuna. We're talking Notre Dame fan survey today. Um, and if I don't think either of us have anything to say about the difference in academics between Notre Dame and Ohio State. Matt, I don't want to speak for you. Maybe, maybe you do. Um, relative Ohio's to APR classes. came out this week and Ohio State was higher. So clearly, yeah, we well, got our answer there. Yep, that's... I, I don't know what other conclusions you can draw from that. Uh, I appreciated the Ohio State uh, football account tweeting that out almost immediately uh, after Marcus Freeman's comments about uh, taking online classes at Ohio State, which I feel like a few years ago, Justin Fields was talking about how he actually had never really been on campus all that much when he was a student at Ohio State because he was just taking online classes the whole time. But perhaps it's neither here nor there. Um, It it adds another layer of fun and spice to Notre Dame, Ohio State on September 3rd. It does. I mean, look... (laughs) I thought the whole ordeal was interesting. Like, it was unclear to me whether Marcus Freeman made these comments at the St. Louis Alumni Club to a group of fans or whether he said them directly to CBS. Um, in any event, this, whenever this was said, or however this was said, was said on like May 19th or something, I think was when that event was, yep. which got written about on June 10th and then aggregated into like digestible Twitter content <laughs> on June 10th, two minutes Ohio, later on, on June 14th. No, yeah. it's like four days later. Um, hey, I mean, in the great debate about, uh, a, a Notre Dame and Ohio state guy, let's quote a Michigan guy, Tom Brady. Uh, if you're explaining you're losing, this is the second strike <laughs> strike. Um, Marcus Freeman has said intentionally or unintentionally at his alma mater. We also happens to play against in his first, full season game as a right now, I think 14 and a half point underdog. Um, the game day signs will be interesting. Let's put it that way. H- yep. However accurate or inaccurate they are. The, the Ohio state reaction. Some of it was a lot of pearl clutching others of it. There was a player out there said like, you remember turning in a paper to Marcus Freeman uh, when he entered in the athletic department there, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, I think to your earlier point, yeah, Notre Dame's probably more challenging academically than Ohio State. I don't think that's like a hot yeah. take, and I haven't yeah, just like, actually been in classes at either school, so who am I to say? Um, but it, it's it's great off-season fodder, right? Like, I don't know how yeah, accurate but, it but is. It's not, I don't know how. It's the perfect off-season fodder because we don't need to do like a anonymous source oral history like Jimbo Nick Saban style over it. We can just be like, <laughs> ah, it's a funny thing to retweet. Let's move on. I mean, if you're Ryan Day right now, you've got um, Jim Harbaugh saying you're born on third base and for your last game of the year, and Marcus Freeman um, taking shots at your program for the first game of the year. Um, Ohio State, as if they weren't already going to have a chip on their shoulder after the way last season ended, has <laughs> plenty of fuel to the fire entering 2022. It's a very. Uh, it seems to be a very aggrievable fan base. Um, if they they do not waste. Uh, an offense 
if they can find one. And uh, I think Marcus just sort of fairly or unfairly uh, served one up to them so they can they can chew on that for the next couple I, months. I don't think this is a big deal. I will say that, no, seriously, I don't think this is a big deal at all. I mean, people take no, it as it's such because it's June. I, I do see why they got very upset with them over the Players' Tribune article. Yes. And I think when you add them together, even if one's more quote-unquote egregious than the other, it's in Ohio State fans' mind a pattern of, hey, you're one of us. And you keep taking shots at us. And oh, by the way, we got September 3rd circled. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh did the same with Michigan when he was at Stanford. Mike Hart called him out. And who's Jim Harbaugh's right-hand man right now at Michigan? Mike Hart. So Marcus Freeman's the head coach at Ohio State in a few years, which I could possibly see happening if things go well. Um, Who is to say that this will not be dead by then? And uh, if you're Marcus Freeman, this this is exactly the recruiting ground you should be at. Territory. This should yes. be your territory. Like that is, you want to differentiate yourself from Ohio State in a positive way. You're not pointing to wins and losses right now as a differentiator. Even that's what Ohio State would do for their recruiting pitch. If you're Notre Dame, you sort of pitch the Ivy League education, Power Five football. That's not recruiting territory for Ohio State. That's not what Ohio State is there to do. Um, so I get it, um, Marcus. Freeman makes a pretty compelling case from my point of view about how when he came to Notre Dame, he just like sort of had his eyes open to like a different way of doing things. And that has resonated with him. So I think it's one of the reasons Notre Dame is recruiting so well is because Marcus Freeman sort of authentically sells that perspective on what college football can be. Back-to-back podcasts where we're spending uh, the opening talking about uh – one of the two Big Ten flagship programs and their beef with Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Michigan last week, Ohio State this week. They're going to fit right in if they get the NBC deal. Exactly. Uh, perhaps that's a segue into the fan survey. Because um, there, there Big Ten was mentioned in passing in there. Um, I was – because I think there are there are a few questions that we could probably chew on, but since we're, we're talking about uh, the Big Ten a little bit, I wanted to jump all the way down to towards the bottom where I sort of imagined a uh, college football world. And I should have phrased this better, but like where USC, UCLA, Stanford, Washington, Oregon, Pittsburgh, Boston College, they joined the Big Ten. Clemson, Miami, Florida State joined the SEC. I should have added like those two, conf- those two super conferences are so exclusive. They don't schedule anyone else. Essentially like cutting off Notre Dame's inventory for scheduling and likely uh, the postseason, what do you think Notre Dame should do? Half of the respondents said stay independent, just sort of keep fighting that fight. But f- more than 40% said join the Big Ten, less than 10% joined, said join the SEC. Is that is that sort of how you would have thought the, uh, the temperature of the Notre Dame fan base would read in these uh, turbulent college football times? <laughs> So with with the way the question was phrased, I'm surprised Moore didn't say no, remain independent because reading the question, yeah, it wouldn't be clear to me that, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, you're boxed out from playing the 30 or so biggest programs, maybe 40 or so biggest programs in the country. Um, if that were the case, I'd say no, remain independent. Uh, if it means you can't play any of them, uh, yeah, I'd say join the Big Ten. I think that's a pretty easy um, decision in an either-or context. I mean, they just fit in better there. Um, 
geographically even like it's not like you're limiting yourself to the midwest in this scenario right you're still playing usc you're playing oregon bc pittsburgh washington um i think that's again in an either or context i think joining the big 10 there is pretty pretty rational uh so i think the the other question that um kind of i was curious how people reacted because i i tried to phrase it in a way that it made you be like i know what i want to answer but i'm not sure that i should was is Notre Dame football better off or worse off today than it was immediately after the win at Stanford, which forces the reader to sort of put themselves mentally back in a space they were on Thanksgiving weekend last November, at which point Notre Dame was in position to make the college football playoff. Recruiting felt like it was on a bit of an uptick. You had a very young up-and-coming offensive and defensive coordinator, um, and you had a really talented roster potentially turning next year. And you might even still make the playoff. Um, what were you, were you interested in sort of the disparity in answers there? Because it was 91.6% said Notre Dame was better off today with a first time head coach who's 0-1 than the program's all-time winningest coach who just left for LSU. Only 8.4% said Notre Dame is worse off. Yeah, I'm surprised it was as wide of a gap as it was. I'm not surprised the majority said better. Um, and again, this is a question that will answer itself over the course of time. I, I do think, like, as wholly unsatisfying, if you will, that the Brian Kelly, like, as successful as the Brian Kelly era was, there was, there was a maybe self-imposed ceiling there, right? Like, I just don't yeah, think he talked about Notre it. Dame. I don't think Notre Dame fans ever thought he was going to win a national championship. Even the most optimistic of them. And look, maybe Marcus Freeman's terrible and this everyone looks like idiots answering 91% better. We don't know. We'll eventually find out. But um, I think that possibility of something more being out there, which at least on the recruiting trail shows us that there is um, so far, it gets people excited. I mean, it, Different, like, comparison example, but, like, I remember we did the show, I think, in 2019 after the Michigan loss, and I feel like our, our mentions and, and our respondents on the pod were all like, fire Brian Kelly and hire Urban Meyer. He's available. And I'm just like, no, like, that's not going to happen. But I get the, the point, right? It's like, even though this guy blows games every year and is kind of a disaster in his own right, like, we'd at least be able to compete for a national championship, which we're clearly not doing right now, despite all the good things we're doing. I think when you look at the infrastructure of the program as is coming off the run of 10 win seasons as they are right now, having a similar roster and having a staff that is proving that you can improve that roster, if not coach it up better, um, there's definitely optimism. And again, it's the, the Kirk Ferentz 10 year role, right? Like no one, you let everyone likes you 10% less after every year and the hope if you're an old head like Kirk Ferentz or Pat Fitzgerald or Bob Soups or whoever is once you get to year 10 that clock starts back at zero um, didn't exactly work out that way for Brian <laughs> Kelly I think it continued to decrease by maybe not 10 percent but seven percent or so even um, though they were winning 10 games and making even though they were winning play. 10 games a year and now there's a there's a sense of okay we have another level to reach to here which again me and you have talked about this a lot about the possibility of that um, and we're seeing at least off the field right now happen in real time. I mean, that was the recruiting question. The last couple of years, I'd sort of asked, you know, is Notre Dame recruiting well enough to win a national championship? It was roughly 30% yes, 70% no. 
This year, I asked, can Notre Dame recruit well enough to win a national championship? 92% yes, 8% no. That is a big shift. I also think it's, it was probably a well-timed question for the yes because they just gotten a five-star quarterback. But uh, that is still a big shift. And I honestly, I think it's reasonable for the first time to say, to look at Notre Dame's recruiting operation and feel like, yeah, that, that's an operation that can win in the college football playoff. I'm not saying that it can win two games in the college football playoff or win four games or however many the sport is set up in five, six years, but uh, that is a big change in perception. I think it's, it's to me, probably more, a more justified swing than is Notre Dame better off or worse off today than it was in November. Yeah, I'm surprised it's at 91 because, again, it's only been six months now of the new regime. And, again, I think as it's gone recruiting-wise probably as well as you could possibly draw it up so far. Um, but even – you know, early on, or even if Dante Moore doesn't go to Notre Dame or whatever, I just, I feel like there's always that segment of like, well, this is why we can ever do this or this among the fan base, not right among the, the coaching staff. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, again, that, that this question kind of answered itself, right? I mean, it was a probably full off season long storyline when back in 2019, Brian Kelly unsolicited said, I think we could one day be a top five recruiting operation. It was like, whoa, how are you going to do that, I asked, the, I asked the question that got the response. It was the day before the Camping World Bowl yeah. at just like a media scrum. And I was like, all right, well, thank you for writing my entire offseason of content here, BK. Um, but then COVID happened and then this yeah. happened. Like there was always an excuse. And I'm right. not saying some of them weren't legitimate, but. It was just such a departure from when I also pressed him on recruiting like three years earlier on signing day in February of 2017. And like, we sort of got into like a, an awkward back and forth about, you know, Hey, what I asked him, like, do you think next year's recruiting can be better? Because it seems like you've got a good recruiting staff. That's when they brought chip long in, um, you know, Reese was back and he's like, well, I don't know what you're trying to apply. Like, or you said, this class isn't very good. I'm like, no, like it seems, I'm saying it seems like you have better recruiters. And now Elko was here. Clark Lee was here. It seems like you're going to have a, a full year to recruit with these guys opposed to just six weeks. It's like, oh, you know, we've got our distinctions 10, you know, we're usually between 10 and 15. That's the blah, blah, blah. And like, all right. Um, and I think it's, I think that the college football consumers perception of recruiting has changed so much just in those six years. Like, you, no one like when Dan Mullen sort of went down that path at Florida, it was like you're done, forget yep. it. Yep. Um, you can't say that about recruiting anymore. Um, but I think it's uh, you know now you have a head coach. Who I, I think it's just like he's got a permanent default setting of like recruiting ten out of ten importance at all times, uh, and that's that's a big change. Absolutely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, the one the one answer we I got to highlight here. Um, you have the open-ended question number four. How would you sum up the Brian Kelly era? <laughs> there were some good ones. Um, the one you printed was great. I'd like to hear the other ones, but let's just repeat um, the other one. The name's not included here, but um, you said the Kelly arrow is also ripe for smile, excuse me, similes, including these gems, quote, like a business hotel, clean, professional, organized, even a little glossy, but ultimately a little soulless and forgettable. Like trying to date a girl you met on Tinder. It's going to be fun and memorable at times, but in the end, it's just not as fulfilling as you had hoped. A lot like eating at Notre Dame's dining hall. When you start satisfying what you need at the time, but the shtick gets old after a while and you're ready for a change of pace, preferably of a little higher quality, like Game of Thrones. Overall, great, but ended disappointment, end quote. Um, I don't think the Ohio State fan survey has responses that are this eloquent, Pete. <laughs> no. No, they don't. They're not <laughs> mailing in in the middle of their online classes to Ari and Bill about hotel... Uh, Comparisons. Well, I'm sure you can go down a rabbit hole yeah, and admire that one. When you have twenty, basically 2,500 respondents writing something in and you have to read all of them, um, <laughs> it's hard to stand out. So I give these a lot of credit, credit because I, I literally laughed out loud at my laptop as I was scrolling <laughs> through these. The business hotel was my favorite one because I was like, hey, you know, I never really thought of it that way before. Um, and I was like, that is, that is pretty much perfect. That uh, like Brian Kelly, he's not a courtyard by Marriott, but like he's definitely not a JW either. <laughs> he's a Renaissance. We'll, yeah. we'll give him that. Yes, aspiring to be a Weston. <laughs> um, I've seen him at the St. Regis, which I believe is now a Bonvoy property, but I don't know if I'd put him in that category. As not a, in the athletic coach. travel budget at all. <laughs> um. Number five, if Notre Dame hadn't promoted Marcus Freeman, the next coach should have been. Um, I don't think there are any surprises here. Fickle dominated. Matt Campbell, distant number two. Tommy Reister, Meyer four. Nick Saban, five. Clark Lee, six. Um, anything stand out to you in that one? Uh, it got edited out of my answer, um, but I was shocked about how many ways there are to spell fickle. Um <laughs> Because <laughs> it was a write-in vote. There was like F-I-C-H-E-L, F-I-C-E-L. I mean, somebody called him Luca Fickle. Like it was it was really all over the board. I I think it was one of those where the size of the majority surprised me. Not yeah. that Luke Fickle was the runaway winner, just the fact that he had what, 15 times as many votes as, as number two? Um, the fact that 38 people were still voting for Urban Meyer, I think the 30 votes for Nick Saban were a joke. Um, what about people, the six for you? Yeah, the six for me, I appreciated. Um, Twice as many as Ted Lasso. Congratulations. Yeah, this, this uh, I also, at the toward the bottom, it was like, how can Notre Dame improve uh, its football program without getting away from its value? Somebody actually did write in, that there should be a statue of me outside the stadium making the prediction that Iowa State was going to win the Camping World Bowl. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was... Were, were there any write-ins for anyone else on last year's staff? There was not. Um, no, yeah, no, no Brian Polian, Mike Elston flyers um, slept in there at the end. So, 
Yeah, it's, I think just the and it, I mean I agree, Luke Fickle, in, in the same way that Michael Mayer would should dominate your yeah. favorite player on the team. I was just surprised about how there was almost uh, unanimous opinion. Um, I mean, May- Mayer's like the best player. That's indisputable. Like right. the coaching thing's more open ended. I mean, I'm not surprised by these. I mean, I'm surprised by by the margin. Um, it's interesting because like Fickle. Learning, from my understanding, at least made contact with the agents of eight other potential candidates in that three-day gap or so between um, Brian Kelly leaving and, and Marcus Freeman being promoted. Um, some of the people I talked to whose agents had been contacted were of the belief this was Notre Dame just doing their like due diligence, yeah. and it wasn't. I, I wouldn't say it's not a real search because it was a real search, but like. There, there were people who didn't bother to get involved because they did not think they had a chance because it was going to be Marcus Freeman the whole way. Um, some of those names are on that list among the answers. But, um, yeah, I mean, they pretty much covered it all. Al Golden, actually, that was a surprising one just because, like, he was kind of out of sight, out of mind in the college football world until he just came back to um, Notre Dame as far as the, the people receiving votes. Um Lincoln Riley is also surprising because he took the USC job, mm-hmm. I think, before Brian Kelly left uh, Notre Dame. That's but that how people they, people are just sick of Brian Kelly at that point, I guess. I don't know, those, <laughs> those 22 people or so. Uh, number 10 was another one I had circled. Um, actually, sorry, we already talked over it at number 10. Number 17 was another one I had circled. Um, what best describes your feelings toward NIL? Majority, 47.6% said don't care. I appreciate the, like, candor here because as many, like, kind of fun one-day storylines, and in the case of Jimbo and Nick, like, week-long storylines we've gotten out of this, like, I just, it's not, I feel like you can't talk about NIL these days without saying, oh, it's a wild, wild west, and oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, it's not going to change Joe fans viewing pleasure on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. It's I, not. I didn't hear one person complain about Kyle Hamilton's NIL work when he made the second pick at Florida State on Labor right. Day weekend last year. It's just like I I struggle with like this question was not uh, well articulated and in the sense of like there's way more nuance to how you should how you can or should feel about NIL than just like love it, hate it, that's eh, fine. Um, but I just want to get a pulse of like what camp you would be if you had to choose one of those three camps. And I often struggle with like, like, are we writing too much about NIL? Like it seems important, but sometimes I feel like fans in general really don't care at all. Um, It's like a sports business story and they rather read about sports. Yeah. I mean, it's, Obviously, it's very important behind the scenes as far as how people are operating day to day. But I just, yeah, I mean, I I, I think the bottom line, it's like the good teams are still going to be good. The bad teams are probably still going to be bad. And and that's that. Now, timing's everything, right? If Notre Dame didn't get CJ Carr and let's say Dante Moore committed elsewhere next week or last week when you asked this, I'm willing to bet the answers would have been a little bit different. Right. Um, and I think that's how it's going to play out recruit to recruit, year to year, fan base to fan base. Like if, you know, I'm sure Pittsburgh feels 
really badly about NIL right now. Yeah, much different perception. Um, even though Kenny Pickett and you know even Addison last year had some deals locally there. Um, so I, I think it's like a, just another, at least from a fan base point of perspective, it's another leg to the already weird world of college football recruiting. Like it's one more layer to say like, oh yeah, our academics may be better than yours, but you're paying your players more than we're paying ours. Like it's just one more thing to kind of get upset about when things don't go your way. I think that's where I'm, I'm starting to settle on NIL too, where it's just like, it's a piece of the puzzle, but I think too often in the last year, it's been presented in like stories and media and podcasts and whatever as like, as the whole puzzle. Like this is the right. whole damn thing, NIL. Um, and like I don't know if you were in this conversation um, at our conference in Scottsdale, but we were talking about NIL and how it changes how you evaluate whether a guy's a good recruiter or not. And mm-hmm. I think we have some people on our staff who feel like it's the only thing that matters. It's just like it's just it's just a competing checkbook. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel that way. Um, I think that Notre Dame's recruiting success suggests that that is not true, um, that NIL is not the whole thing. It's just another thing to evaluate when you're looking at schools. Um, and so, and that's fine. I think, yeah, it depends on the, the individual, right? Like I think the, the idea of the million dollar recruiter, right? Not every staff, but a lot of staffs have hired recruiters, right? They get assistant coaching job at whatever, cause they're good at getting players. I think the market for that's going to go way down because that just, I mean, you still need to recruit. Obviously we've seen it with Notre Dame, like being a good recruiter helps you get good recruits, but um, there's more to the picture now than, than just charming high school kids. I mean, um, you know, talking to people connected to Brian Kelly and people at LSU, um, you know, as much as we laugh and even, you know, look at the survey and can see the fan base's reaction to his shortcomings as a recruiter, there's a sense down there that because the guy is so savvy off the field and because LSU has their NIL thing figured out better than a majority of schools, like Brian Kelly, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's going to be a great recruiter overnight, but I think this world with him as a head coach down there is better tailored to his strengths than going out coast to coast recruiting players on behalf of Notre Dame pre NIL era. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I, I touched on this a little bit of story I had today, but I, I do appreciate the honesty of some places, particularly Miami right now, which like their boosters have not been shy about what they're doing. And maybe it's gotten them in hot water, the NCAA. I don't know. Uh, John Reese had a meeting with them last week. But, like, Mario Cristobal last month at ACC spring meetings, I mean, every coach is just afraid of saying the wrong thing and, and afraid to touch all these moving parts publicly. But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's a complicated world. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't want to talk. Like, Dabble Swinney did not talk to us down there. Mario Cristobal comes out, and he's just like, you got to change the way you're coaching, guys, because they might transfer. Then you were doing it wrong to begin with. Like, he's like, you think – he's like, I went to Miami. I, he's like, I, I was poor. I couldn't afford – the championship t-shirts that they were giving us when we won two of them. You think I'm going to complain about NIL now that I'm making millions of dollars to coach there and the players are now going to be able to benefit off that? No, like he's like, it's another layer to already complicated job. And if you're good, you'll figure it out. And again, when Miami's been good, they figured that part of it out and now it's all above water. So I appreciate the kind of um, transparency and openness schools like that have had during this, whereas you've got the pearl clutching of, Jimbo Fisher saying they're coming to A&M because we're great at academics, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. Or Nick Saban saying, oh, my God, how dare A&M buy a recruiting class? It's, 
again, I think the market will eventually decide how this all plays out. I did get a kick out of there being an NIL convention in Atlanta this week with yes. NIL right. experts, which are probably the same like dozens of randoms that are emailing me, you, and everyone else in the media <laughs> saying, we're here to talk about this deal. And it's like, all right, who are you? Um, <laughs> yeah. You you know the market that nobody else seems to know? Okay. Exactly. Good, good to know. Exactly. I, mean, I love I like the, injury, the injury experts we get all the time. Like, I saw you cover Kyle Hamilton. This doctor specializes in the injury he had. And he can talk to you and provide you quotes about, yeah, no, thank you. Pinched fat pads. Um, <laughs> all sorts of good stuff there. Um I don't know if there was anything else that like jumped. I, I appreciated that the Noreen fan base is sort of uh, maybe more on our side of the Tommy Reese. What do you think? Like, I think we're both fairly high on him as a coach um, and where his career is going. 91% said the last two years have been stock up for him. 8.9% said stock down. I think most of these questions, these answers were filed before CJ Carr committed. So um, I don't think it's uh, unnaturally inflated by. Uh, some recruiting success. And then um, th- three different answers that had 91%, by the way. Yeah. Very random. <laughs> it's straight. It's like a, I have a straight ticket vote happening here for some people. Uh, and then if Notre Dame could change one thing about its football program, but remain true to its values, what would you change? I was shocked how many people uh, noted or mentioned like lowering admission standards. Cause I think that's like actually an invalidated option. Like I, sh- I should have. Like, right. Like, somehow you should not have been able to type that because that actually does cut against the values. But, you know, I think transfers and facilities, those are two places, particularly the facilities where Notre Dame can invest and still be air quotes, Notre Dame. Like, I don't think you, you are getting away from what you want to be in terms of your principles there by, um, by building the new Goog or, Investing in baseball facilities, um, which is a kind of a topical thing around here right now. Um, yeah, that, that was a question I was going to come to. Um, I would have said facilities one for the same reason you mentioned, like it's doable and it's nothing like it's the easiest answer, right? Here's where we can upgrade and we can do it by putting money into it and infrastructure into it. And it's not going to take anything away from any other part of what makes this university special. Right. Whereas he, and I would put transfers too. And I'm, I'm not even saying transfers. Like I think there's a concession, at least on the university side that needs to be made for that to happen, even though yeah, I don't and that's necessarily a, that's a, agree with it. That's an issue of process, not right. an issue of who you're letting in. Um, it's, you know, it's, can you get the answer on Brandon Joseph same day opposed to waiting two weeks? Um, that's where Notre Dame needs to move on transfers. I think that most of Notre Dame fans sort of understand just because you're in the transfer portal and you got into college, that has really very little to do with whether you could get into Notre Dame as a transfer. Um, but Notre Dame adjusting its transfer policy in terms of how they admit it, who's eligible, somewhat. Um, I think that's that's significant. That That can still be Notre Dame being Notre Dame. There's one question that's not on here that I wish you asked. Who do you think the next broadcast team on NBC should be? Should be? Um, yes. <laughs> should be. I mean, if, should be. I would. Here's what I, I feel on this. Like, I don't think Notre Dame needs to have the same broadcast team for every game. 
I think that when you play Clemson or Ohio State or USC, that you can figure out how to have Mike Tirico come in and do that. You can have an A broadcaster for an A game. For Marshall or UNLV, then I think that you can sort of open up that a little bit. Um, I think pretty highly of the work that Paul Burmeister does. If you want to keep it in-house and do something kind of simple, I think that's that would be a route you could take. Um, however, um, my sources seem to indicate that uh, you know Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett are not just leaders in the clubhouse to be the NBC booth, but like almost a certainty to the point where I was told, like, I don't know why they're waiting to announce this. So that that's not where I would go. Um, you know, I think that sort of a more experienced voice, certainly in the play-by-play role, would be significant and helpful for Notre Dame. But we shall see. Matt, what, how would you answer that question? <laughs> um. Yeah, they, they didn't announce yet because they wanted to see the fan reaction, and you botched it by not including them in your uh, <laughs> in your survey. Clearly. These twenty five hundred um, votes will tip the scales. I have of Notre not Dame. watched a single USFL game, which I believe those two are on together. Right? Uh, they both do them. They're not. Yes. Um, oh, I I was yeah. They they both are doing USFL games. Okay. Correct. I, I haven't. I have not watched it. That said, um, yeah, I think if you promoted the current radio team to the TV team, there'd be not a single person of rational mind who would push back. Cause I think <clears throat> very highly of guests, Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris. And um, it would fit in the shamrock bump. There we go. Um, the sh- I think Pete and Matt would be great on uh, NBC. Um, <laughs> like to see the right in votes on that one. <laughs> I-, I will I mean, going from Mike Tirico to anyone is just almost unfair. Like, Oh yeah, it's brutal. Like you, you, we. I think you texted me this. We're watching him separately hand out the Super Bowl trophy um, this year on TV on NBC, and I think you said texted something along the lines of, "Do, do you think it goes through his mind the next football game I'm doing involves Marshall? <laughs> like going from the Super Bowl to this? Like, and I think that's, <laughs> with all due respect to Marshall, a very like." Um, perspective-filled commentary that shows you like how big and nice it is for Notre Dame to have like the elite of the elite calling their, their games on play by play. Like that's just, I feel like I think part like they've punched above their weight for quite a while with I mean, Tom. Han- like, again, like I'm not, all these guys have been, these are guys calling like NBA finals games. You know what I mean? Like they're not doing like, you know, curling or whatever in their free time. Like they're, they're these are like the height of the height as far as American professional broadcasting. So I just think when you think of Notre Dame on NBC, like, look, they're not getting rich off this deal, right? Like financially, you'd make more money going to a conference. Um, it's about the prestige. It's about having your exclusive window. It's about having, a, you know, a, a level of certainty and a home team announcer, if you will, that no other program in college football can have. And when you have Mike Tirico as it, it's pretty damn good. Um, I would probably promote the radio guys and find some alums to fill in on the radio side. Uh, the guy who did that, Tony something, apologies, Simeone. did basketball this year. Um, yeah, I thought he did a nice job with that. You could put him on the radio team and, you know, I'm not um, diminishing uh, what an important job it is, but there's no shortage of alums, Notre Dame alums in media right now who would be very good at radio color 
about their alma yeah. mater. I mean, look, what I love if what I love it to for like a, a Brady Quinn, I think a Brady Quinn Paul Burmeister booth with Simeone and Harris on radio would be good. Um, that you know there are contractual obligations that will stop that from happening. Well, Brady's your point, right? Brady has a better job right now. Yeah, he does. It. Uh, I think that you know Notre Dame is obviously very near and dear to his heart. Um, I think that he would think long and hard about it. But um, it's yeah, he's got a he's got a good gig right now. It's it's just it's difficult to feel Phil because you're like, who wants to do just six or seven games? It's, this is where, like, if NBC added the Big Ten down the road, I think you would have a better stable of announcers to call upon because then Notre Dame would have – it would be an A game or a B game or a C game based on the opponent. Um, you'd have just more people to rely on. Um, and I don't think that uh, having the same announcers every week is like – I don't understand why that has to be the case. Um I think it's nice when you're on NBC by yourself right now. Now, I I wrote this today, too. Like, if NBC were to get a Big Ten deal, um, you know, when I first heard that back in February, I think, when Sports Business Journal wrote it, I thought, wow, like, Notre Dame's going to lose their exclusive network. Um, But I've had folks in Notre Dame tell me, like, no, like, that's going to be great for us because it's just going to elevate our brand even more. We'll get more money. We'll essentially be a Big Ten property financially without – having any of the obligations of actually joining the Big Ten. It's win-win. Um, and yes, I mean, if you've got a, a day-night doubleheader or whatever it is with a primetime game and an afternoon game, yeah, there's going to be multiple sets of announcers, and I'm assuming NBC would hire more people for just that. Um, I mean, I think the, the fact that we're having, I wouldn't say trouble, but coming up with with such sure names, even if I, I guess the radio guys are sure names, but um, shows you that it's like not the easiest job, but... I don't know, like to go with an experienced duo for the first year of the Marcus Freeman regime while you're also trying to land the Big Ten and show them you're serious about getting expanding your college football coverage. Um, That's a choice. It's uh, we it's hilarious to me that we a conversation of who can replace Mike Tirico and Drew Brees is much more difficult than like who can replace Jack Swarbrick. Like <laughs> we have an easier time finding AD candidates than NBC announcers. So it's it. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Like it would be, it would have been very cool from like a sort of synergistic point of view to have Chirico and Breeze do it again in Freeman's first year, because the energy around Notre Dame right now and the interest around Notre Dame is very high, very elevated. I think probably higher than at any point it was, you know, during Brian Kelly's tenure, short of like November of 2012. Um, and so to be able to tap into that and take advantage of that, if you're NBC, I think that, that would have been a smart business decision. I understand why it's not not easy to do. Um, there's a lot of other competing factors there. But uh, I mean, it's even like something as piddly as my fan survey, like last year, 1500 people submitted it this year, 2500 people submitted it. Why right. is that? The reason is Marcus Freeman. Um, there's just a lot more interest in where Notre Dame football is going right now than there has been in some time. Well, and this hasn't gone to the college level yet, although I'm sure eventually will because it's a copycat business. Look at the salaries for football play-by-play people and, and color analysts now. Like in this last year alone, like everyone has reshuffled the deck, right? Like yeah. Buck and Aikman are going to ABC. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are going to Amazon. I think CBS is the only one that stay constant. Um, 
again, I mean, that's a choice to make as far as how much money you want to devote to a product that you're only airing seven times, six times, seven times a year. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know. I, I bring Vern Longquist out of retirement for seven games a year. Like, is that possible? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what kind of state he's in right now or how he's enjoying retirement life. But I just think for there's a way to commit to it without breaking the bank, if that makes sense. Because it, it's yeah. at the end of the day, it's not that big of a commitment from a, a time on the calendar um, perspective. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's um, there'll be a, there's gonna be an interesting off season storyline to follow. Although, like, if Notre Dame is recruiting top hundred prospects, I'm not sure how many Notre Dame fans are even gonna notice until like the Marshall game kicks off and be like, "What happened to Chirico? Where did well, he go?" Gonna, there's gonna be a Peacock game, right? I assume. You one would think, um, man, could you really put the first? home game of the Marcus Freeman area no, UNL, UNLV. UNLV. it's got to be, be UNLV. UNLV. yeah no I'm with um, you on that one so. well they, they're in the baseball business now right they've got 10 30 a.m or 11 30 a.m Sunday games I think with Jason Benetti who's for my money the best play-by-play announcer in baseball so <laughs> you can make a put Benetti at, at uh do Benetti for uh Notre Dame yeah why not I mean he already does college football but suddenly we've got all these solutions there we go let's roll with it so all right, well, we'll wrap up uh, this, this episode of the Shamrock on hypothetical announcer pairings. Um, thanks Gotta for shout listening. Out baseball. They're playing yeah, Texas. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Notre Dame baseball plays Friday night against Texas. I had a baseball story on uh, our humble The Athletic website today. Talked to Paul Maneri, former Notre Dame baseball coach, who led Notre Dame to the College World Series. And then a few years later, decamp for LSU where he made the college world series, I think five times won a title finished runner up once. So it was, it's sort of a, a set of circumstances that current Notre Dame coach link Jarrett may be uh, forced to deal with, with Florida state, which is his alma mater and uh, sort of a, a national power in a way Notre Dame baseball isn't because it's in part, it's located in the South. So that uh, it was a, it was a educational story to write. Um, and I think that Notre Dame baseball is, it's a great story. I mean, their their upset of Tennessee last weekend, barring something crazy happening on September third, will be like the result of the season of the calendar year in Notre Dame athletics. Um, not to push back on that, but when when um, going on the other non football side, uh, when you think of uh, Mexican breakfast foods, you obviously think of Mike Bray <laughs> what? first. Okay, I was like, where is this going? Uh, <laughs> Mike Bray. Uh, who spent quite some time in Delaware now has the, the starboard diner in a uh, starboard restaurant bar. I'm sorry. in Dewey beach, Delaware has posted that Mike Bray, who's smiling in front of a picture, uh, one of those, uh, light up natter days, natty light, <laughs> um, signs, uh, has his own burrito. It says, get your head in the game and try the Bray Rito. And if you zoom in, it actually looks pretty good, Pete. Resident coach Mike Bray of Notre Dame men's basketball suggests athletes start their day with a great breakfast, just as he does here at the starboard. Hence, this creation of scrambled eggs wrapped up with bacon, sausage, or scrapple, cheddar, and jack cheeses, fresh pico de gallo, served with our awesome homemade hash browns for $12. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe baseball will be the result of this season, but Mike Bray is the one who's living his best life in Notre Dame uh, in 2022. That breakfast definitely comes through choice of coffee orange juice 
Or natter. Or beer. <laughs> All right. On that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of The Shamrock. He's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to everybody who took the Notre Dame fan survey. If you have suggestions for questions next year, you can drop them in the comments. Um, but appreciate everyone reading, participating, all that good stuff. So until we return, um, probably next week, we'll eventually get around to that live show. Um, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of The Shamrock. Shamrock.